0: screen this morning, we're going to be talking about killing the calf. And we're not talking about killing the fatted calf. We're talking about another kind of calf that we need to kill. We'll get more into that here in just a second. Last week, we were in the book of Exodus again, and we saw God miraculously providing for His people. He pulled them out of Egypt and he was providing their, their very basic needs, right? And you would think, you know, you, you, you think through these stories we read in the Old Testament, and you think, man, if, after all these people had seen just just this far, I mean, we're still early in their history, but after everything they've seen just this far, I mean, the, the judgment on Egypt, those ten plagues, and God miraculously delivering them out of all of that out of the land of Egypt. Now he's parted the Red Seas. I mean, they, they literally walked through on dry ground. And he's even rained down bread from heaven for them to eat. And you think, well, maybe now they should have no doubt God is God. They're going to follow him with their whole hearts. They're not going to grumble. They're not going to complain. They're not going to turn their back on him and chase these other false gods, right? But what happens? What happens? It doesn't take long for them to go back to their their old ways. Old habits die hard. So this morning we're going to be in Exodus chapter 32. And to give you a little context for what's going on here. Moses has been up on the mountain with God. Talking to the Lord. Learning from the Lord about what the people need to do. The do's and the don'ts. And God himself has literally written it in stone for Moses and the people. He's written all this down on the two stone tablets for them to take with them on their journey. But when dad is away, the kids will what? The kids will play. Every parent knows my heart on that one. So the same thing happens to Moses. So turn to Exodus chapter 32. When the people saw Moses delayed and coming down from the mountain. They gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who will go before us. And notice what they say. Because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt. We don't know what's happened to him. Aaron replied to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made it into an image of a calf. Then they said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning, they arose Offered burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. I like the CSB translation there, by the way. Because that's pretty much what was going on. Verse 7 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once. Notice what the Lord says. For your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. They have bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people. They are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation." Now, there's a lot going on in this this passage, right? These 10 verses. It's it's crammed full. We can't really cover all of it this morning. But what I want to point out to you is notice, first of all, Aaron's weakness as a leader. Now, we talked a little bit about this, how Moses was the gifted leader. Aaron was the gifted spokesperson. You take the leader away, and Aaron's weakness as a leader leads them to, to make an idol, this golden calf. Now, the golden calf, we wonder why, of all things, a golden calf. And there's, there's several reasons why. I think, one, it's an image that they would have been familiar with, in, not only in Egypt, but in that whole region in the day. Bulls and cows were considered these uh, gods for most people. They had seen it also in Egypt, and for them it was just... when you're dealing with idol worship, it was pretty common to just mix and mingle all these different gods along with whatever god you had. You just kind of take your pick that day and worship whomever. But not only did Aaron and the people fall for this idol, but they here's what's problematic to me. They ascribed to this idol that Aaron made the glory of the one true God. And they worshiped this thing as if it were him. And I think that's a worse offense than worshiping a false god in the first place. So here, where do we fit in all this? What I want us to see for us in this story is that we still suffer from the same tendencies as these people, believe it or not. Right? We, uh, hear me on this, we are idolatrous at heart. And I know that's a tough pill to swallow. So in order to, to kill the calf and get these idols out of our lives, we've got to kind of back up and, and see the process in getting there, okay? And so the first thing I want us to understand this morning is that it all starts even before the temptation. Complacency leads to temptation. So the people, they were complacent. Aaron was complacent. They had become apathetic to God's leadership already. Apathetic to God's kingship that we sang about this morning. And his authority over their lives. And Aaron was complacent. And and Moses would go on to say that Aaron let the people get out of control. Complacency normally sets in when you're not engaged. Remember Moses had went up on the mountain. They're not actively engaged in proper worship. They're not being led and, 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 and shepherded. And when you're not actively engaged, you, begin, you, you, you tend to become apathetic to some things, especially spiritual things. And so while they waited, I think these people's minds began to wander. How many people's minds tend to wander sometimes? I, mine, I'm wondering right now, honestly. It just happens. But their minds begin to wonder, they, they begin to think some things, they begin to wonder about Moses, wonder about this one true God, think about all these other gods, and then this temptation sets in. Now, it's easy, and it's so easy, to look at this story, so far removed from this day and time, and be like, how did it ever come to this? How did they ever go from seeing God's splendor on the mountain to seeing God's work in Egypt to seeing God's miracles take place to now they're offering sacrifices and worshiping an idol that one of their own has carved out of their own gold? Well, honestly, it's the same today. When we disengage from our faith, when we disengage from, I don't even say church in corporate worship. Spiritual disciplines. Fill in the blank. We become idolaters. We trade things like personal devotion. For self-help time. We trade kingdom work. And kingdom support. For building our own little kingdoms. That will crumble and fade away. In time. We trade our time in corporate worship. Like this morning. With the body of Christ. For time for ourselves. Or time for sports. I said it. Or time for some other idol but idleness in our lives and complacency in our faith will allow us to consider temptations that we otherwise would never even consider matter of fact you might not even realize you're going down that road because the apathy is set in it's often said that idle hands are the devil's workshop idleness leads to idolatry every single time. Complacency, not being vigilant in our faith, not being alert, not being active, will lead us into temptation and ultimately failure if we don't head this thing off. It's been said there's a beautiful castle over in Scotland. I got a picture of it because it's just breathtaking to me. There's a castle in Scotland. This is Edinburgh Castle. Isn't that beautiful? And it's been there for a very, very, very long time. But the the, the story is that in all the wars of Scotland, Edinburgh Castle never fell except for one time. And this one time, the the garrison had become so complacent that that the enemy came up these steep rocks from this side that they, they thought it was so safe, they didn't even need to guard it. And so in their complacency, in their apathy, this unguarded place is exactly where the enemy came in the back door. The point is when you're complacent and you're off guard you can rest assured that's where the enemy is going to attack. That temptation is going to creep in. The Bible says that sin is always crouching at the door just looking for a way into your life, just looking for that opportunity to sneak in and take you down. So we got to stay vigilant. Stay alert. Stay active. Avoid temptation, one, by knowing those areas where you're tempted. You've got to guard them. But also knowing your safe places, right? There's another story about a steamboat captain out on the mighty Mississippi River. This captain is driving his steamboat up the river and he gets stuck in some snags and some sandbars. And he, he doesn't know the river well enough to be able to get out of this mess. And so he's just flat stuck. And so finally, this good old boy comes putting along in his little boat, and he pulls up beside and he offers to help the captain out. And the captain says, well, are you a steamboat pilot? He says, well, some people say I am. He said, well, do you know where all the snags and all the sandbars are so you can get us out? of He says, no, sir, I don't know where they're at. The captain said, well, how in the world are you going to get us out of this mess if you don't know where the snags and the sandbars and all these problems are? He says, sir, I know where they ain't. And sometimes that's very important information to know. Not only the things that do tempt us, but know our safe havens and how to get out of those messes. Second thing we've got to understand this morning is that compromise leads to transgression. If you allow that temptation to creep in and you don't stop it, you will potentially make a compromise in your faith and you'll just fall into that sin. You'll get stuck in those snags and those sandbars everybody's tempted, right? I mean, just throw that out there. Everybody's tempted. We're not all tempted in the same way. Matter of fact, if we started over here this morning and went around the room and had everybody share their biggest temptation, let's do that. Let's start over here. And (laughs) whoop, (laughs) some bug-eyed people. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. But if we did, everybody'd have something different, right? But the truth is, we're all human, And we all have temptations and we're all tempted to give in and compromise our faith. And the biggest thing I want us to understand is is that whatever that sin may be, whatever that temptation may be, it's all equally disgusting in the eyes of God. And so no matter what our temptation may be, however great or small, we have to stop that thing before it gets out of control and we take a bite of that forbidden fruit. So Aaron compromised with the people. And I think when when I read this... I think Aaron, of course, had some issues. But Aaron gives in to one of the biggest temptations that people tend to give into, And that was to become what the people around you want you to be. We think kids deal with this, but man, I'm telling you, grown men and grown women deal with this every single day too. To just cave and be or do whatever it is these people want in order to keep them happy. And so... For us, church, we, of course, need to not be that person. We need to be that person that's in the middle of of, of this world just going crazy. Be that person that's going to take a stand on what God's Word says and lead the rest of this world in a godly direction. And so Aaron compromised. He didn't do this. He compromised. He makes this idol. And not only did he make the idol for them, but like I said, he then encouraged them to worship the idol as if this idol were the one true God. Now, this was not only idol worship, not only worshiping a false god, but I think more importantly, it was the improper worship of Yahweh. They worshiped this thing, this created thing, as if it were the creator. Now, I know, again, this seems bizarre to us, right? Who in their right mind is going to make something, set it here, and worship it as if it's the one true living God? Well, again... One of our greatest compromises is to us is for us to make our God, the God of the Bible, into an image or a a likeness that suits our lifestyle and our desire to sin. Right now, let me explain this. Right now, literally today, there are other denominations that are being ripped and torn apart by that very idolatry. There's one side, both sides claim to believe the Bible. But there's one side that says that the God of the Bible hates sin. He loves the sinner, but he abhors sin. The other side says, well, no, wait a minute. The God of the Bible can't hate that sin because if he hates that sin, then he hates all these people that are doing that sin. And so they're, they're in most cases, choosing to part ways because one is saying this is God of the Bible. No, this is the God of the Holy Bible. Let's not give in to that because I, I, here's what I think is going to happen if time goes on long enough. Our own denomination is going to deal with this. Our churches are going to deal with this. And so let's be the ones that stand up first and affirm the sufficiency of God's word. What says God stands and let's get rid of any of these golden calves that are trying to rip Christians apart. Amen. Amen. Because here's the last point. I don't know how I could say this any clearer. (laughs) Calves cause trouble. That's profound, isn't it? But they do. There's not only a spiritual side of this this thing, but there are practical reasons to get rid of these idols in your life. Sin just wreaks havoc wherever it is. All over your life, it just tears things apart. Somebody said that the wages of sin are death and they've never been lowered since those words were written. If we allow these golden calves to remain, at some point they're going to cause us trouble. Now, sometimes here's what we do. We think, well now, I can tame this thing. I can tame this temptation. I can tame this sin. If I'm doing it, it's, it's not really hurting anybody. It's not really affecting anybody else. My sin doesn't bother anyone, but listen, you can rest assured if you let that calf stick, it's going to bother some, it's going to cause problems. It's going to destroy you. First, there's this anger, and we see this the anger of a jealous God. God, I mean, think about it. God only wanted these people to love him. To follow Him. To just not give their hearts to another God like they did here. Just to be obedient to Him and and just, just be His people. But when they choose to do this, God's heart's broken. He's angry and rightfully so. But not only do these calves, these sins in our lives damage our relationship with God, but they also damage our relationship with one another. There are consequences from other people that we have to deal with. Notice here, Moses comes down from the mountain. Man, you got to love him. He comes down, he sees what's going on, he's angry, he punishes the people. I mean, Moses is hardcore. You read on, what does he do? He takes their little idol, he throws it in the fire, burns it up, crushes it up, throws it in their water and makes them drink it. Now, you remember that next time you think I'm preaching too hard to us, okay? Moses gets so angry at these people and then then the Levites gather around and they go through the camp and they kill 3,000 other Israelites and then to top it off, God is mad and he just sends a plague on everybody because of this sin. And again, you look at it and you're like, hold on. I can't get past this. Just a few chapters back, these people were singing the praises of Almighty God for what He'd done for them. And now they're worshiping another God. And they're killing each other. How in the world, and it goes back to that that old adage, I've said it a thousand times, we've all heard it, that sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And make you pay more than you want to pay. That should should be a Bible verse. It's not. But it should be somewhere. Because it's true. And what's truly sad is that these people. As good as God is to them. Over and over again. They will over and over again. Go right back. To this same old sin. And they'll keep suffering the consequences. And never learn the lesson. There was an, an ancient Greek historian named Polybius. He said this. He said, even though man is considered the wisest of all the creatures, he actually seems to be the most foolish. He said, where other creatures have been hurt, they won't go back. He said, the fox never returns to the snare. The wolf never returns to the pit. But man returns to that same sin and will not take warning until he's utterly ruined. That is our nature to do that very th- same thing. Like a dog going back to its vomit. We keep going back to these idols. We keep going back to these sins. Listen, I, I know again this idol thing seems weird to us. In other parts of the world, I have talked to idol worshipers. People that had these idols in their homes and they would worship these things and talk and pray to these things. And when they got saved and they came to Christ, they got rid of all those things and never went back to them. But, but, but here's the thing, and I know it's so, again, it seems weird to us, but D.L. Moody put it this way. He said, you don't have to go to a distant country to find men worshiping idols. He said, how many there are everywhere who bow down to the idols of business Pleasure, children, wealth, dress. He said, You can make a God of yourself just as easy as some idol that people make with their hands. Now, right now, as we speak this morning, there is a revival that seems to be breaking out not too far from here. And it seems to be spreading. As people come in and they go back to their campuses and they go back to their churches, it's like the the, the sparks of revival are just starting to light up across our region now. But you know why it started? It started the same way it's always started. With people confessing their sins, getting rid of these idols, these golden calves in their lives, and pursuing God with all their heart. That's how it works, that's how it starts. And so this morning, if you want a glimpse of that kind of revival, what we're seeing in Wilmore and these other places, if you want some of that here, you want that in your community, in your church, in your life, better kill the calf this morning. Crush it. Drink it if you got to. I don't know. But get rid of that thing. Get rid of that sin, that thing that, is, that you're putting before God, whether it's, it, it, I mean, it could be sinful, it could just be something good that's taking God's rightful place in your life. You need to squash it and get rid of and reprioritize your life this morning with God, God at the top, God above people, God above work, God above sports, God above status, God above all. And then watch what God will do in your life. Stand as we pray this morning. Father, as we turn to your word today, God, we are so thankful that Yahweh is a compassionate God. Slow to anger and full of mercy. But God, we also realize that you do not leave the guilty unpunished. And Lord, this morning, as we stand before you in this place, God, we ask you to search us. Search the depths and the recesses of our hearts and minds for those golden calves, those idols, those things that we keep putting before you. And between us and you. God, give us the fortitude to destroy those things today. However much it may hurt, However uncomfortable it may be, God, we stand before you ready to experience the winds of revival. God, we thank you for what you're doing this morning in all these wonderful places. God, if we could just have some crumbs from the table, we'd praise you. God, forgive our sin. Wash us and cleanse us today. Help us to follow you, to worship you, to be completely yours in every part of our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we sing a song this of invitation this morning. Maybe you need to do something tangible. Maybe you need to come to the altar this morning and just pray and confess to the Lord and turn these idols over to Him. Maybe there's a decision you need to make to be saved this morning to be baptized, why don't you come as we sing this song. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at First underscore Baptist underscore Barberville on Twitter at Barberville FBC or on our Facebook page First Baptist Barberville.